0: You're listening to the ShipBob Operator Series. Each week, your host, Casey Armstrong, ecom veteran, is joined by founders, operators, and insiders who are bringing along their stories and data to give you the
1: exclusive inside scoop and tactics from those who have been there, done it, and gotten their
2: hands
0: dirty.
1: You can tune in for a live recording Wednesdays. Head to
0: operators.shipbob.com for the details. But until then, enjoy this audio replay.
1: We are live. Welcome everyone to our what is it, Casey, our third episode of episode the three. moving forward episode three. Nice. Yeah. So this is our moving forward, moving your business forward web series hosted by Ship Bob, where we pretty much bring on different brands every single week and we really just have an open discussion, you know, with trying to understand of like what's going on in the landscape, what people are seeing, how different brands are really adjusting their digital strategy. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, online or offline really too. You know and just kind of providing advice and so this open forum i like to make it a little bit more clear oh it looks like uh my my friend ethan and <laughs> that's fantastic we used to work uh at cpc strategy all together that's super ethan. funny great to see you, ethan so as you guys can see over in the chat box here you can interact with one another you can see you know who who's commenting or any of the questions that they're asking and so feel free to you know join in the discussions there provide your advice <laughs> John, jonathan cole Nice. Um, <laughs> this is great. So as you guys can see, like I said, we're trying to keep it a little bit more organic. Really, no clear structure to this. It's just a lot going on, and we want to just, like I said, we're bringing people on, like like Leo and and other brands to kind of just pick their brain of how they're navigating, really, just you know, e commerce right now in general. And so uh, we have Casey Armstrong, our CMO, that's going to be kind of moderating it. And I'm going to join in too and just kind of, you know, asking questions, you know, to Leo as well. But you know, in case you want to kind of touch on anything as well.
2: Perfect. So uh, Sarah Ribner, the CEO and founder of Piper Y, longtime Ship ShipBob customer as well. She's done quite a few events with us in person too. She should hopefully be joining soon. We're checking on any technical difficulties. As I was joking with Nick and Leo before, I'm bringing my A game today, dust mm-hmm. out the Bob, the Bob sweater for this episode. So get the questions ready, get the tough ones. I'm gonna be peppering Leo and hopefully Sarah when she joins, but real quick, we like Nick mentioned. We have Leo Creo the third. He's the founder and CEO of Haircraft, which offers men hair uh, men's hair products. And so, uh, Leo, as far as I know, has been running the business for a few years while also working at Tenuity, formerly known as CBC Strategy. And he recently left Tenuity to go all in on Haircraft. And this was right before COVID nineteen or coronavirus hit. So. Leo, what a way to really uh, go all in there. Um, tell us what's, what's been the most eye-opening thing from when you went from part-time to full-time on it? And then since uh, the coronavirus really came into full effect?
0: So h- great timing, right? Well, one of the, the first things is the unexpected. I, I think that everyone's been talking about the coronavirus. Uh, me and my co-founder, Alex, we actually were in LA in January and we were talking to someone the Union train station. And he was telling us about the coronavirus. He's like, man, it's really gonna hit the US. And I bet you it's gonna be this big thing. And we laughed at it, we're like, oh, there's no way. And then two months later, here it is. So biggest thing is un- expecting the unexpected. But in terms of the changes for us, Haircraft Co is primarily, all of our revenue is through Amazon. So Amazon, as everyone has probably experienced, has had a lot of changes in terms of like shipping time, and those delays due to prioritizing medical devices and medical supplies. So, that being the first thing, is almost every product on Amazon that isn't in that category has been affected. Haircraft Co., beauty products across the board have been affected. So,
2: are you still able see. to ship through Amazon or are they telling you to look elsewhere?
0: So, they're still shipping through FBA. It's just instead of it being two days, now it's over 30 days or at wow. 30 days?
1: Over 30 days? So
0: yeah, so we've seen it up to over thirty days, and that's been pretty drastic. Which we've seen on the front end, we've had numerous customers email us directly, either through Amazon or through our website, asking like, "What's going on? Can you change the shipping?" And of course, we have no control over that. So that's been the biggest change. it's Amazon sandbox, and it's everyone's just playing in it. So that's been a pretty dramatic change, and we've been affected by that as well in terms of the demand because. People going on Amazon are searching for, say, pomade, hair clay, beard oil, and then they do a search and then they see every single brand has about 30 days in terms of shipping. So Mm -hmm. that's one big change that we've experienced firsthand. It's crazy, too, the beauty
2: products, because I know in our internal data, we've seen beauty products on the rise really since coronavirus really kicked in. Our partners over at common thread collective they've done a great job of publishing some data out there as have a few others and it's been pretty consistent where like the beauty and healthcare products have continued to rise over time and also because people are shopping my guess online versus offline but i wonder if part of that is as well is the fact that people start their search on amazon or on google then to amazon and they're seeing these crazy delivery speeds and now they're trying to look elsewhere so have you been do you guys have any products on hand that you guys are able to fulfill yourselves? Because I know that, that you don't work with us over at ChipBob. How have you been able to navigate that?
0: So fortunately, we've, we've had a website, we've had a .com. And we've actually had record sales on our site now because that exact reason is people that haven't ever shopped from our .com are now ordering. Fortunately, we do have a, a warehouse so we can ship product. But it's been really interesting. A, a funny story is we had a customer email us, shout out Dan, uh, he emailed us last week and was like, Hey, man, like I went on Amazon last week and I saw that it said over 30 days. I bought your guys' products before. Love it. I just can't wait 30 days, man. Like he's like, I actually live in San Diego. Can I pick it up from you or can I just buy from your site? Of course, we had him buy from our site. But it was just it, one thing that we've learned in terms of just the full funnel strategy is how everything affects everything. Because, like, if you don't have a site, it doesn't look optimized and it isn't harmonized to what Amazon looks like or vice versa, your Amazon brand doesn't match what it looks like on your site, then that could be a poor customer experience too. And then even just saying you're open for business, like the fact that customers were asking that, we had to change our messaging on our site too, saying we're still operating, we're still doing business.
2: Did you see an improvement in conversion rate once you added that? Because that's something that we made sure that we added We've been very proactive as well, and I've just seen pretty consistently across the brands are able to still fulfill during these times.
0: Yes, so we've seen an increase in conversion rate too.
2: Awesome. Um, so I see we've got a question from Ethan. I'll get to in one sec. Everybody, please keep peppering us with the questions over there. And then, but I know a very common question okay. before we get to these is that people ask, especially those that that start on Amazon or rely heavily on Amazon, how have you approached? distribution and marketing off of Amazon because it's interesting where a lot of like the direct-to-consumer brands that sell on their own website often don't know how to make the jump to Amazon and then vice versa, the Amazon sellers often don't know how to make the, the leap over to direct to consumer. And the CPC strategy and tenuity being, you know, one of, the, if not the best, Amazon selling agencies out there, how do you make that transition?
0: We've been really fortunate that we've from day one had some type of strategy. It wasn't fully established when we Started haircraft co about two years ago, but basically we always knew that everyone isn't just going to shop on Amazon. Some consumers like Dan last week who asked us, like, can you guys do business? Are you guys doing business through your site? We just had the site. We've had a 3PL. We've made sure to have it in a way that like at the most minimum way, having a way that customers can still buy from you direct. And that's just been ingrained in the strategy from the beginning. Nothing. Super comprehensive there. It's been more now in the last quarter where we've been focusing on driving traffic to our site through social media. This week, we're going to be launching Facebook and Instagram ads, especially during this time that you're sharing, Casey, is that e-commerce brands, especially beauty, are on the rise. And I would bet because of what's happening right now, specifically as the Amazon channel has delayed shipping times.
2: So question from Ethan over here. What, what opportunity do you see in this adversity?
0: So one thing that we talk about as a team is that COVID-19, every single business owner is going through the exact same thing. It doesn't matter what industry you guys are in. Obviously shit, Bob, you guys have experienced this positive probably as well, is that this is the great equalizer across every industry. And fortunately for e-commerce brands, specifically direct to consumer, this is the first time where we've had like a reset button. When you think about 2008, when the market crashed, E-commerce wasn't as big. It wasn't what it is now where people are coming with products, and they're having these brand stories. It's the first time where everyone's on the same playing field. And I think of a direct-to-consumer perspective where these large retailers are being forced to figure out their own strategy, which is just to stay alive because they have so many employees, they have a lot of costs, and then they have to deal with what's happening in retail, which now has gone the the lull. So I see this as a great equalizer and it's something that we talk about internally all the time is whoever can go through this and figure this out, whether it's the messaging, how you add value to your customers, this is the greatest opportunity for any business. And I know that sounds really optimistic, but you kind of have to think that way during this time. If, if you don't see it as how do I come out of this stronger? And then the second thing as well is just the experience of this. No one has ever gone through this before. So. Everyone's trying to figure it out. No one has an exact answer. It's like some of the things we're going to talk about is, it's all about the strategies that you're testing that are working and not working. So that's... Ethan, to your question, that's what I would say is that it's the great equalizer and it's an opportunity for everyone to to really push forward in terms of advertising, testing what works in terms of messaging.
2: I think what you touched on also is everybody understanding their economics. I think, much more intimately as well so that they can create this long-term business because this will pass and whether it passes in a month or a year or who knows it's going to pass and hopefully we're at the point just like you said what happened to china in the early 2000s is hopefully we do see the step function growth because the amount of activity online probably really outside of like food and and drinks is off the charts right now where historically it's been in the low teens or 11 or 12%. And we have the opportunity to see, I think, huge step function growth there. And so it's going to be those that get through this that will we'll really hit the ground running again. Whenever we do get through this or, you know, be able to find ways to thrive through here. Question from Scott. How's your supply chain on packaging doing um, with personal care? Did you, did you guys do custom packaging? Do you guys just use the poly mailers from, from the, you know USPS or FedEx or how, how are you guys packaging right now
0: Everything is through like poly so it, it it's been good we've been really fortunate that on the warehouse that we have all of our products stored in for our site it, they've had boxes or they had the poly bags and excess demand in ahead of time so we've been fine on that end
2: and then here, here's a great question from from Joshua so starting <laughs> out and um, again, I know you've been running this for a while, but now you're going full time, and so maybe it's version two of starting out. So, starting out, how focused were you on turning a profit versus creating more quality product experience, such as high quality packaging, unboxing experience? You kind of just touched on like the best bottle material and stuff like that.
0: So, uh, we're not focused on profit when we first launched our first year in business. We were not profitable. To to be completely honest, we were trying to figure out. How much demand is there? Can we actually even sell what we want to sell? Do people want this product that we made? And the first year of business was trying to understand supply chain in terms of how do we get enough profit or make enough money to to order excess product? And then also how much demand is there? So it wasn't until year two in 2019 that we really started looking at the numbers because that's when demand popped up where we saw that there's potential. We didn't need to spend as much on advertising. We were still spending a solid amount, but we didn't have to spend as much to build to turn a profit. So we were able to actually create projections too, versus, you know, where are we gonna be at this month? So I would always tell any business that's starting out, say from what you're saying, Casey, is focus on is there actually demand for the product that I sell? Mm-hmm. And then what learnings you have too? Because we had a ton of learnings when we first launched, like we got a lot of negative reviews on the packaging because we didn't have a a poly wrap on the actual jar, which we didn't think that was a big deal. But customers would say, "Hey, this is used. Like, why is it in a, a, a actual plastic wrapping?" Which now it just makes total sense. And then even just communicating specific things in terms of the scent, what it looks like, and whatnot. But not focusing so much on the profit, and then focusing later on how much opportunity, and then turning a profit.
2: I like that. Really nailing that customer experience. And again, too bad that Sarah's not on here yet. Hopefully, she can join here or, or in a future episode. I know from talking with her when because they they have um, natural deodorant for for women. I think when they initially launched, it came in like a jar, and you had like stick your fingers in there, and people were like, "This is weird. And I don't want to do this. this." Is like the whole reason why I don't want to use it. <laughs> um, and so, while the product was strong, the user experience was suboptimal. And so, it's okay. We can still use the same ingredients, more or less, but let's change the application process. And so it's getting that that initial customer feedback, and that's what's going to help accelerate your—I don't know about your profitability because there's a lot of factors there, but at least like your revenue growth, and then hopefully you're taking care of everything else. And so here's something from Scott, and this is another thing we should have mentioned early on. If you guys have answers or suggestions to some of these questions as well, throw them in there. Like we, you know, we want to get this back and forth going as much as possible. So. Scott's the one who asked if, you know, the supply chain on packaging, how that's going with personal care. And then he says that he doesn't believe in just in time packaging. And so they, they have inventory. And that's something interesting as well, is just how e-commerce brands really shift their behavior moving forward, things such as just in time, drop shipping, where you're manufacturing from where you might want to pay a premium to manufacture, let's say, closer to where you live or within the United States or within Mexico versus going overseas, wherever that may be. And on that note, Leo, do you manufacture? Where do you guys manufacture?
0: So we've been manufacturing our products in China. And i proud to say this year, we have started manufacturing all of our products now in the US. But uh, it was to your point of building to have a the product that we wanted to build to launch, minimal viable product, and then learning from it, and then now be able to justify the means of getting to the scale of the quantity that we could afford to do it in the U.S. now.
2: So from Lucas, to the ShipBob team, have you seen an increase in customer demand for 3PL warehousing because of COVID-19 as merchants are moving away from Amazon? So yes, I will say we've seen an increase in demand Outside of Amazon, and we've seen definitely a huge increase in demand from Amazon. Something that we look at is: Are these potential customers looking to you to work with us uh, for the long term, or are they looking just for just a stopgap fix for the short term and then move back to FBA? But we're definitely seeing we're definitely seeing a lot of demand here. And actually, a project that Nick and I are working on that should be live by the end of this week. I'll say it's going to be live by the end of the week to to really light a fire under both of us, is, <laughs> is a time in transit. And so that's what we've been analyzing, uh, analyzing across our entire network of all the different zones. What's the time in transit with the carriers? And what's, what's been most interesting that, at least from my perspective, and this kind of brings us back to like Leo's point over that 30-day 30, 30 delivery speed, the carriers are still pretty m- more or less hitting their SLAs they're still able to deliver within a certain speed. <laughs> it's a matter of, of picking and packing and getting that inventory out in a timely fashion. And that's where a, a lot of the bottleneck is, at least from an outsider looking in on the Amazon, knowing how we are covering that gap at ShipBob. And so our, where Amazon is prioritizing all of these quote-unquote essentials, we are prioritizing those as well, but still able to get through all the other inventory as well. And so it's not a carrier issue. It's just can your fulfillment partner, get these out in a timely manner. So here's a question. It kind of ties into what we were just talking about, Leo. This is from, from Josh in the emails beforehand. Uh, one of the one of the, the pre-ship Bob or pre-fulfillment supply chain is always a trending topic in these episodes. So again, from Josh, how do you find quality suppliers, especially in today's environment? And the second part was where are you sourcing from, but you kind of already spoke about that.
0: Yeah. So I'll start with the the China side first, just because that's where we started. So when we first were thinking about launching a product, we'd come up with our own product that we like mixed in jars and we were really proud of. And essentially, we were hitting up manufacturers throughout the US to see what would it cost to get 3000 units to go. And then you have to pay for the chemists to like make that product. So we didn't know that. But we contacted probably 20 manufacturers in the U.S. at that time. And the MOQs were really high. And it was just looking up like beauty supply chain or beauty manufacturers in the U.S., palmade manufacturers on Google. And eventually, everyone that we contacted, we had looked at the price of the labels, the jar, the actual chemist to make the product and test it. And then actually having the MOQ of 20,000 units or 10,000 units... There was just no way we could afford that. Mm-hmm. So then we thought to ourselves, I wonder if Alibaba has Pomade. Like, is that <laughs> even possible? And we thought there was no chance. And then sure enough, we go on Alibaba and we look up Pomade. And then there's like hundreds of suppliers all over the world. So we went through probably like 40, and there's like different certifications you can look at in Alibaba to see do they have this certification? Do they meet these quality things? And We had worked with probably about twenty of them with our mixture that we made. That we made, we shifted to them, and this is all over the country. And eventually, we found the manufacturer that we went with, and they delivered us different samples. We kept trying it, and eventually, found out that was really good. And we had used them for two years. In terms of the U.S., we had had some relationships back with the conversations we had two years ago that we were able to kind of come back with those MOQs and negotiate, but. Honestly, just a simple Google search if you're starting in the US. And then obviously on Alibaba, depending on what you're doing, you can look at all the different criterias. And there's plenty of YouTube videos on that.
2: Yeah. Alibaba, I feel like they literally have everything. Everything. So it's almost like a rabbit hole. I don't even want to get that one because like the stuff that may be available. But yes, they have a lot. So another question from Lucas. I actually really like this question. and. I think we could open up. We'd love to hear people in the comments chime in as well. And then Leo and Nick. So from Lucas, do you think that the impact of COVID-19 will continue to keep customers away from Amazon because they rely more on their own store other their distribution channels? So actually, I want to like modify the question afterwards as well. So I think his question here is, <clears throat> well, it says, do you think we'll continue to keep customers away from Amazon? But then I guess the second part says because they rely on their own store, or other distribution channels, that's to me more like, I guess maybe our customers. So merchants. I think it's a great forcing mechanism for these merchants or these brands to start to diversify. Because while Amazon offers a great solution, drives an insane amount of traffic, the intent is off the charts. They have a lot of other functionality that they provide as well, such as FBM or The merchants that that fit within that bucket, how that's going to play out, I don't know. I think I think controlling your own destiny and owning your own platform. There's been such a spotlight on that through this pandemic, um, with with the Amazon changes as as an example, or maybe like a microcosm where Amazon can. I think what they're doing is for the greater good, where they're prioritizing essentials and getting you know more people what they actually need. Like I know I utilize Amazon. Uh, and direct to consumer stores all the time i've I have several little kids and so you know we got to <laughs> take care of the fam but i think it is a good forcing mechanism for people to to spend more time and make sure that they're set up for success with their own store and maybe look at amazon as, as a complement um i think where what will be very interesting is to see buyer behavior and how that's impacted on amazon and something that i hope to see and this is nothing against amazon but i think to help Continue to accelerate the growth in small businesses and in the greater e commerce ecosystem is will, as buyers, like with Leo's example, he has people coming to his website that typically would have just bought on Amazon and saying, I will literally drive to your house and pick this up. Or, hey, what's your web store? Can I just buy this now? And so, especially, you know, will people start to familiarize themselves more with these direct to consumer brands or become more comfortable buying off of these. And something I know before I joined Shipbob, I was over at a big commerce and a big focus of ours there was on uh, the digital wallets. So Amazon Pay, Apple Pay, yeah. PayPal One Click, Shopify has their own Shopify Pay. There's companies like Fast and others that are, that are rolling out just faster checkout options. And so as people are able to check out faster, and they don't get this like Amazon type experience on the front end. will they just become more comfortable buying from the direct to consumer brand? so anyways that's that's something I hope to see. I guess we will we'll see if that actually happens. but we are seeing it we are definitely seeing it today, and if you look at a lot of the data that that we're putting out there along with others in the space, like we are seeing a boom in direct and consumer purchasing. All right now that my rant's over, let's see as Nick as Nick asked. If anybody wants to come on and ask a live question yes we'd love to have you so we can actually yeah. pull people on
1: stage um, i would love to see this happen we, yeah. we have to do it and we're in episode three and we have we many more episodes to go.
2: we kind of got somebody last week like with like an asterisk
1: but yeah yeah that's true ethan i see you out there
0: people can get
1: yeah they come on and join us live i know ethan we we work together you shouldn't be afraid you should be able to ask us a question but i'm gonna leave it that casey i'll leave, leave it there and see if anyone wants to join us. Awesome.
2: And yes, Lena, thank you. Glad you agree. We'll see what happens. And this is where, again, a lot of these, the, the merchants need to, to step up as well. So let's see from Scott. Hallelujah. So we might not be as efficient. I think this is about Amazon who's saying, uh, but when we have our own mix of channels in and out, we're able to adapt. Com- completely agree. So it's not Amazon or <laughs> I think Amazon and, and there's a right time for Amazon. And maybe there's certain products that you utilize on Amazon. At the end of the day, they need to make, they need to make money as well. And so they're going to take a cut. Again, they're driving traffic. So maybe that's cheaper for certain brands. But it's just thinking about it like as a compliment versus like a competitor. And then let's see. Here's a long one from Randy. So I'll try to, try to read all this. So we're not live yet. Waiting for things to calm down and develop alternative sources of supply. I have zero plans to go to Amazon. This was a decision we made long in advance. It might be an easy way. To profits, but it's also a path to empower Amazon to compete with you once you have built your market and given them all your data to be able to drop you dead in your tracks." Leo, anything to comment there?
0: Yeah. Uh, Randy, that's uh, when I worked at Tenuity, that was something I heard from large enterprise brands all the time. And total, I actually just had a conversation with a, a large brand today about this. And it makes sense why a lot of people would not want to shift to Amazon. Because you don't get any customer data you don't know who your customer profile is unless you're doing DSP you can actually see some of that data but for the most part you don't get any data and some people that might shop from your store your com decide now to go to Amazon but the thing i always say is do you care about the data or do you care more about getting customers and like also it's just a company based on like your mission and what you're trying to do like for us like We started on Amazon, but our vision is to impact men to look good, feel good and be great. And the more places that we can go where our customers want to be and shop, that's what we're going to do no matter what. So if there's another marketplace that more people are shopping on, like that, that's where our customers are looking for our products. That's where we're going to go. So I would just think about it in another light too, is what makes it easier for your customers to convert? Because I see the other side too where brands that didn't sell on Amazon, when I used to manage clients' accounts as an account manager, I would be bidding on their keywords because they weren't on Amazon. I'm just going to use it. Ex- I'm not actually going use a
2: brand example. I've seen, I've seen people do that to Away because I was looking at for Away products, the luggage brand on Amazon. They purposely don't sell on Amazon. And yeah. All our competitors were getting much cheaper clicks because they were not on Amazon. But sorry, Leo, please keep going.
0: Exactly that is if they're not on Amazon like I remember this one brand we were making $15,000 a week on one keyword because they weren't on Amazon. Jeez. And it it was insane. It was the best client report I could send. I was like, "Hey, <laughs> look at this." <laughs> but um that would be the thing is just where do your customers want to shop and then as consumers become more intelligent and like as they change the way they want to shop, people want two-day shipping. Yes, you can offer two-day shipping on your site maybe, but people are going to shop the way they want. You might lose a customer because now they don't see your product on Amazon. So that's what I would say there.
2: Let's see. I like it. We got some um, some disagreements in the chat. So Scott, so Scott actually sounds like he aligns with you, Leo. He says, I disagree with Randy. Meet your customers where they want to be, Amazon or Walmart or the consumer has habits. And then Randy says, I want customers. Just don't want them to hand over to Amazon. Seen too many stories victimized by them. I think you're both right. And this is where I think it's... There's no one right answer, but can you utilize Amazon to then bring those customers over to your website so that you can start to control, own that data? And some people say flat out no on Amazon and that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's your decision as a business owner, but there are some potential ways to utilize Amazon. And, and we have a lot of customers who do this as well, where it's, can you, offer things that are not on amazon to get them over to your website so you can start controlling that conversation and be able to build a more you know long-term relationship with them so it looks like ethan said tag me in nick you might be working on that and then jacqueline who actually jacqueline has some questions that i had teed up from her before also jacqueline says there's some great questions under the questions tab um oh here they go they were just they were lagging for me yeah
1: they were lagging um this is, yeah there's definitely some good ones in here though
2: Awesome. So let's go with Persephone. So I'll take you through this in chat as well. What Amazon advertising strategies have worked best in maintaining a healthy... I don't know what ACoS means. But um, while having to scale back ad campaigns due to decreased demand on Amazon. And actually, maybe that's something interesting to touch on too. Has demand decreased for you on Amazon? Uh, and then how are you handling your Amazon ad strategy?
0: That's a really good question. Actually, one thing that I was going to bring up so in terms of ad spend and ACOS, so that's advertising cost of sale.
2: There we go. Sorry for Stephanie. It's it's I'm I'm the one that doesn't know. So <laughs> keep going, Leo.
0: So one thing that we saw really quickly, it was almost right, it was a week after the NBA got shut down, which I'm so sad. I'm pretty sure the Lakers were gonna win. Hopefully the season progresses. But um what we saw almost the next week is impressions stayed the same. So just as many impressions, just as much demand, but conversion rate just dropped. So they were sitting at a fifty percent conversion rate. We were down to twenty five percent.
2: Was this was this after they modified your fulfillment?
0: No, th- um, this was before that. This okay. was a week after the NBA like shut down, where the the March Madness tournament, like everything, just started slowly but surely. Like people were being more aware of what COVID nineteen was, coronavirus. So, anyways, we saw that and we're like, oh well. We're still selling a. We're still selling what we normally sell, but our ACOS started to increase because it took more clicks to get a conversion. So our budgets were going to go out. Then what happened was the following week. That's when quarantine got implemented, and then it was like we saw a significant drop off in sales. Impressions kind of stayed the same, but what we noticed is we're spending just as much as we were before. We weren't getting as many sales. Say it dropped by fifty percent. And what we had to do is either choose to try to chase sales to get sales, which would be unprofitable for us. So that means a higher ACOS, higher advertising cost of sale. So what we did is we just shifted back is rather than chasing sales, and this would be one big takeaway I'd give everyone in the audience, is rather than chasing sales, what we decided is Amazon needs to be a very profitable channel for us right now, because we know the shipping got delayed. This happened like right after that. Shipping got delayed less people are searching on Amazon for specific products that we sell. We saw that impressions are dropping off, CPCs are increasing or decreasing depending where we're at. So we reduce bids, we reduce budget because we wanted to make sure that our ads were profitable during this time versus before this all happened, we're okay with running with a higher ACOS because we're fine being at that rate because we're still profitable. But the moment demand decreasing, conversion rates decreased and Amazon fulfillment got delayed, ACoS increased. So I would tell everyone specifically, if you're impacted by COVID-19 and you're seeing your ACoS increase, check to see your conversion rate. See what your conversion rate is. If you're a seller, you can see that in the back end in your business reports. See if that's dropping off. If your ACoS is increasing, check the, the clicks, see the keywords that are not converting and make Amazon a profitable channel for you right now. Reduce budgets if you have to and use that elsewhere. So for us, that budget that we forecasted for us on Amazon, now we're putting that towards Facebook and Instagram ads, which that's where there's so much more traffic right now and CPMs are down. So it's an opportunity to shift. So long answer. But yeah, try to focus if you're being impacted by uh, COVID-19, making Amazon a profitable channel right now and not chasing sales just to get the sales
2: love it that was awesome leo and let's you know get definitely get into the weeds i'm hoping a bunch of people were either taking notes or firing up their their amazon accounts to check you know what what, where are they seeing drops in conversion rate and this is a good time to get granular and get to the keyword level or the the ad group level and see what is and isn't performing and again just focusing on profitability now and seeing you know if, if you can get through today's environment When things open up a bit more, you know, the opportunity is much bigger. And so you did mention Facebook and Instagram takes us perfectly into Joshua had a question. What marketing channels or strategies, in your opinion, do direct consumer brands not utilize enough? And then you mentioned starting to use Instagram and Facebook as more. Do you think people should adjust their strategies in a similar way given the times or is that more dependent on the stage of the company?
0: I think it's all depend on the stage in the company. For us, like we're just, we've done Facebook ads in the past, Instagram ads, but never at this, this scale we're gonna invest now. But what I'd say, I wouldn't say that there's any specific channel that we have personally not tested because we haven't tested a lot of different marketing channels there. But in terms of messaging, one thing that we've tried to do is just be aware of what you're saying because right now is, Unprecedented time, so even with the ads that we've been launching, like we're going to launch it two weeks ago, but we wanted to be cognizant of what the messaging we had because how shitty is it to see an ad that says like buy my t-shirt when it's like hey like I'm probably not going to wear this t-shirt out anytime soon, and it's also COVID nineteen or just ads that have been running for a long time that don't relate to what's happening. And actually, the first the first ship Bob webinar you guys had two weeks ago with. The supply CEO, I love what he said and we adjusted based on what he said too, was just the messaging on your site. Make sure that your site recognized that. So we have on our site, just like our response to COVID-19 and just offering a nice deal. So as like a direct to consumer brand, we can afford to, we have higher margins. We can afford to do certain things that add value to our customers, but also realizing what's happening in the market. So I would just say make sure your site, you're keeping your messaging direct with what's happening in the market. And then also with your ads too, it's just making sure that it's attuned to what's happening as well.
2: So I'd love to, if you have any examples of how you guys have adjusted your messaging, because I've definitely been following some of the faster moving brands on how they pivot. So take Lululemon, for example, who's obviously like a massive brand, they've got a huge magnifying glass on them. One of their more popular, especially on the men's apparel side, one of their more popular spaces was uh, it was like the commuter. I forget what they called it exactly. It was basically like commuter comfortable, and it was for people like like me who would be on a plane at least every other week. And so it's how can you be flying in the air and then go direct into a meeting? And now they've changed. They've shifted pretty quickly, where they're now focusing on things. And they and I actually see them keep changing the verbiage that they're probably testing to see what's getting the most clicks and conversions. And so now they actually um, call out where is this they have a home workout section. And they're really focusing on like, how can you, and also like a work from home section. And so it's, it was, those are obviously kind of similar-ish, but, and so it's kind of shifting that message. So Leo, have you guys shifted at least how you position the need for your products in light of everybody being on Livestorm and Zoom and Hangouts and everything like that?
0: Yeah, so uh, a specific- And, and having
2: a lot more hair to like deal with as well. So we can't get haircuts.
0: Yeah, so that'll be messaging as quarantine progresses for sure. But um one is like with Instagram, which is non-paid, is just the content that we had mapped out for the month would have just been more about the hair product versus our director of brand, making it more relatable to whoever is seeing our content. It's about what's going with COVID. But in terms of ads, like you guys are getting first taken to some of the ad copy we have. So uh I like it. So <laughs> conference call responsibly, get your hair right, freshen up for your video conference calls. Things like that. That it's we're gonna still say in some of the other parts of the ad copy, like buy one, get one free, or buy one, send to a friend as one of the deals that we'll be offering. But uh just making it more relatable in that way. It's not to make it sad or like we're in this together too, but just making it more about like, hey, we understand that this is a crappy situation and how many times have we seen our friends that are doing happy hours on a Zoom call too? So just making it relatable.
2: Love it. Perfect. And now we've got somebody on stage.
1: <laughs> What's up, guys?
0: Hey. Can first person me? to join us live. This is fantastic.
1: <laughs> can you hear me right now? Yeah, we can hear you. you're all you're live now. Awesome. So uh I'm I just tossing a question out there. Yes, cool. All right. Um yeah, Leo, I think you already kind of brought up some of the points, but Times are changing. Everyone has to pivot. And as you mentioned, you know, the return on investment on advertising, you know, top of the funnel, even some of the bottom of the funnel advertising, just throwing it at keywords, hasn't been there as conversion rates drop. So, what have you used as tactics or strategies to get more scrappy and creative with your marketing? Whether it's tapping into your existing customer base, which is your most you know powerful probably asset right now, and offering discounts or trying to get them a subscription or any other kind of you know strategies that you guys have leveraged to try and make up some of that revenue gap?
0: Yeah, so deals for sure, giving a promotion because I mean, it really sucks what's happened in the economy, how many people have lost their jobs, and right now you should still try to focus on growing your business, but also be aware of your customers. So we've been offering coupons on Amazon, we've been offering buy one, get one free or a discount on our our products as well on our site. Another marketing tactic that we we had tested for a while is just targeting specific products that are in demand. So you can do product targeting on Amazon, product targeting ads that live beneath the buy box or on the product detail page. So going after those high demand products that are on Amazon, so for instance, toilet paper or paper towels, which you'll probably not see available at all. But going after those type of products, because the intent to buy is already there and you get to land on their product detail page. So that would be a strategy that I know a lot of people aren't testing out right now, but it's definitely... let
2: clarify there, you're advertising tangentially related products on these high demand products within Amazon.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you can target specific products. You can choose the ASIN, which is what the Amazon identifier is. So going after those products. Interesting. Awesome. You You got more for him? Ethan, good to see you, man.
1: You too, man. I mean, that's all I got right now. There's been a lot of good questions, but uh, I'm just enjoying the show. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you for jumping on. Nick, you're on mute. Well, it's good having you on. First person to join us live, so that's great. If anyone else wants to join us live, you know, feel free. But good question, though, because I think it's really important. I've seen some pretty creative stuff going on with email marketing, actually. In general, for a lot of the a lot of the brands that I purchase with, I know that they know that I've like purchased their, a lot of their products in the past. Especially this one company, you know, Zenny Optical, for instance. Now they're trying to upsell me, you know, or cross sell me during this time too. And I, you know, getting much more emails from them recently, which you know in the past I haven't. So I think that's definitely a huge channel that you know, I, I would think that it's going to be you know you know great ROI for a lot of these brands. So
0: but. another thing that actually uh, my co-founder has been spearheading is just blog content. From an SEO perspective, um, we've been writing out content that is specific to what people are searching online as well. So, for instance, like people have a lot of time right now to do a lot of education, and where we never focused on blogs or SEO, now putting that time and effort towards what do people look for when they look up sea salt spray or hair clay or beard oil or hair pomade. So, educating more consumers as well and thinking about it in that way.
2: Oh, I love that. It's like, the search terms have shifted. We've seen that ship Bob, definitely. And so it's trying to get get as much of that data as possible. And then yes, what can you get out there? And like you said, people have time. So maybe they'll watch videos or they'll they'll do that DIY more themselves. So here's a great question from Christina. We'll throw it out to you, Leo. And then we'll we'll see if I can add anything to it. So from Christina, do you foresee an impact or buyer trends with the direct-to-consumer international sales? So we talked about domestic or I should say my answer earlier was primarily domestic. And then such as shopping local versus import. So Leo, I don't know how much you guys sell overseas, but anything that you can add there?
0: We don't sell overseas really at all. So can't add too much. But I think in terms of like how people are shopping now, it's it's just everything has changed. And after COVID-19, everything's going to change too, how people do business. So I think just the messaging in terms of, as a brand, what you say, and like, what what has happened in the past, that's going to be important, but really can't add too much there. Okay.
2: And then let's see from in the chats, Scott says, Leo, we're in the same space, but we don't compete. We'd love to chat. So he dropped his email. So we'll get that over to you, Leo. Uh, But if you want to jot it down, it's right here. So yes, Scott, thanks for reaching out there. For, For Nick. Yes, Nick called out Kurt's podcast, which is also titled the unofficial Shopify podcast. Um, so he has some great episodes especially recently he's been bringing on some great operators i highly recommend listening to what kurt has out there and then nick called out this one which which does go into seo and so again thinking through content so how does content play on instagram or facebook or within your newsletter but also from an seo perspective for that long-term lift
1: i got a, a question actually too for for leo Leo, you, you said that you, you know the majority of your revenue comes from amazon today right and Totally understand that, right? That I know I saw you grow the brand over you know the past you know several years and helping to grow you know Tenuity, CPC strategies, Amazon apartments. You have a lot of experience there. I guess as a as a founder, right? Over the past couple of years, I'm sure you've understood the the importance of diversification. Mm-hmm. And so, how are you thinking about that right now? You know, let's say let's say COVID nineteen aside, right? Um, which obviously we can't ignore. It's it's part of the daily life. But I guess. How are you thinking about, you know, diversifying? I, I've seen your website grow, you know, and, and new things popping up, you know, left and right. And I am an actual current customer, whether I'm your friend or not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious about how you are diversifying channels other than just Amazon. Like, you know, what are you paying attention to, you know, off of, off of Amazon in particular?
0: Yeah. So for us, we we knew that this was a big initiative for Haircraft Co in 2020 was diversifying revenue because I mean, I saw it firsthand at Tenuity with brands that were only on Amazon, their account got suspended, there's no business. So saw the, the worst side of it. And I don't remember who asked the question about should I go on Amazon or not. But to that exact point is the biggest thing we don't have is customer data. And what we we're already going to do is now just been lit. As you guys were talking about that project you guys are working on, timelines have shifted in terms of what we've been doing. So the things that we were going to do before in terms of like, influencer marketing, working with large blog publications like GQ, Men's Health, all of those things now are like top of mind. Instead of spending that money on Amazon, we're focusing on really building the brand. Because on Amazon, you do have assets and tools that you can use like A-plus content, videos, stores, but you can't really build a brand. It's based on search traffic. So that's what we're really focusing on is how do we really get to know our customer off of Amazon? What are those specific demographics? What does he like to do? What does he not like to do, and by doing that with like Facebook Instagram ads working with influencers micro influencers to to really test everything that we can because right now I was on a, a a different webinar that I was listening to, and the the cost of everything has just shifted like influencer marketing has shifted as well, and it gives you a lot of time to really test to see what what works best and then I think about this stimulus package that's hitting too is like there's gonna be a surge in demand for a lot of products that are coming up. So the sooner that we can test those things before that, and if it is what our customers wanna buy right now, so just really testing all the different channels that we can right now. But the biggest learning is just doing this faster. Like if we would have had more time to do this, which hindsight 2020, but it's just focusing on that for the next time. And so
2: we've got a couple more questions that popped into the chat, and then I've got one final one for Julio. And then we'll we'll wrap it up. So I'll address Marilyn's first. Why will ShipBob not onboard my company? And so <laughs> I don't know any context there. But Marilyn, feel free to email me directly. It is carmstrong at shipbob.com. And that goes for anybody on here. If you guys have any questions, please let me know. It's from Scott. And then we'll get jump to Lucas's. Is influencer marketing dead now given the way F Facebook um, and everybody's cracking down on bad info and conspiracy stuff? The short answer is no. Then with Lucas... So how does ShipBob ensure two-day delivery of products in all categories, even non-emergency products? Well, Amazon needs up to 30 days for these products. And so at ShipBob, what we did is... So with ShipBob, we have our software, which our customers use for the merchants. We have the fulfillment centers, which are ShipBob employees. And then we have our ShipBob warehouse management system, or WMS. And that's what powers everything within the fulfillment centers. And so within the WMS, we updated that to prioritize essentials, but we also have a two day program or expedited program. And so we prioritize that as well. And based off the volume, the way that we've staffed, we can get all of those out within the same day. And so that's how the reason why Amazon is not able to do these in within 30 days. is They have such demand on from all of their sellers for these emergency products. And that's what they're prioritizing. And so it's not a carrier issue. It's Amazon prioritizing and only fulfilling those those items. And I know that Amazon's been shutting down different fulfillment centers. Like I think that they shut down or stopped fulfilling from some of their apparel uh, f- focused fulfillment centers because the demand there has dropped, and then there's a cost of employing the people in the f- those fulfillment centers all the time. And so how they're how they're handling that is uh, I'm not necessarily privy to. But I hope that answers your question on how we're able to still provide that today. And as i mentioned so there we go nick nick dropped his email in here as well and my email so everybody feel free to reach out to either of us if you have any questions and so my last question for you leo what's your number one piece of advice for fellow operators and and e-commerce owners over the next 30 days
0: depending on where you're selling is one is where you're seeing a, a drop off in demand or traffic is pivot where you need to. I talked about Amazon specifically, because we can relate to that, is if you're seeing that's an unprofitable channel, channel make the appropriate changes there. And then the second thing is focused on multiple other channels that you can really get your brand out there. For instance, we talked about this with like Facebook and Instagram ads, is the data is out there. People have already shared that CPMs are down. So that's where you can put your next pivot is, invest that next marketing dollar there, but make sure before you do that, that your site's optimized with the correct messaging that does relate to your customers. And then with your ads, make sure that the messaging is is being in tandem with the circumstances of what are happening right now. And it's just testing everything. Um, nothing's going to be a quick win. It's like when we start with Amazon, it wasn't a quick win, but it took time for us to, to gain some success there. And don't get down on it if it's something isn't working because things have to be measurable. You have to have a process in place in terms of what's working and what isn't working, and then review what didn't work and what did work, and then pivot based on that. But just really focus on what's best for your business. I think I've I've met so many people in the last month that I've talked to other entrepreneurs that are just chasing the revenue and they're not focusing on what's actually smart for their business because. If this progresses all the way to say July, worst case scenario, August, do you have the cash flow to sustain your business, to help employees that you might have or whatever things that you have in the pipeline? That's got to be the most important thing is cash flow. And you're not just spending money to spend money. You got to see some type of return depending on what your strategy is.
2: That's awesome. Thanks, Leo. What, What I'll add to that is also just knowing your customers better. If you're emailing your customers, maybe sending it from you know from your email. So and and ask people to reply. Get to know your customers better, so that when we do come out of this, you know who they are much better, and you're starting to build more of a community and the relationship and the rapport with them long term. Because those are the customers that will hopefully be with you the long term.
0: Something I've been doing for every order that comes to our site, they almost always have their number there. I've called every customer. I know that sounds kind of wacko, but like. Just asking customers like, hey, you know, thank you so much. Like we appreciate your business. And it's such a cool feeling when you get to connect with them. And obviously based on the volume, like, you know, you can't sustain that forever. But just connecting with them and what I started asking is like, why did you buy from us? And how did you find out about us? And I've learned some very interesting things of how people have found Haircraft Co. And what was the the reason why they've ticked to buy? And also we've adjusted our site, our messaging based on what 20 different people have said. So definitely advise that to connecting with your customer. I love it. So
2: see, Mar- Martha snuck in, if I work with ShipBob, will my products be placed in multiple centers? Um, that's up to the merchant. And so we give you suggestions based off of your shipment data, what we think would be best for your business, but that's 100% dependent on each merchant. If you want it in one facility, if you want it in eight facilities, that's in which facilities you want them in, that's completely up to you. So as Nick mentioned, next week, same time, same place. Join us again. Keep the questions coming. Hit us up with them. Leo dropped his email in there. Leo, thank you very much. This was great. I know I learned a lot. Loved how you got in the weeds too. You know a lot about Amazon and just selling directly to consumer. Nick, thanks for putting us on as always. And thanks to everybody joining uh, during these times. I know there's a lot of stuff you can do and let us know how we can keep providing as, as much help as possible.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Thanks guys. so much.